Is yours the Rocketbook Wave? Mm-mm, I have the Rocketbook Fusion. Okay, yeah, don't put that microwave then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Just> important <laughs> to know. Yeah, important to know. The, micro- the Rocketbook Wave, I was Googling this while you are talking. You, you actually do, to erase it, you put it in the microwave for, oh. yeah, you put it in it will act for a couple minutes and it will basically wipe all the ink off. That's yeah. really cool. What? Uh, yeah. See, okay, so for taking my notes and to-dos, I use an Etch-a-Sketch, and then when I'm done, I just <laughs> shake it. <laughs> You're listening to Working Code, and now your hosts, who wish they were Boolean, so the next time they're wrong, it's only by a bit. Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 48. And on today's show, we are going to talk about that super exciting topic, to-do lists. <laughs> uh, but first, <laughs> as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And Tim, it's your turn to go first, man. Get to go first. Cool. So I, I'm going to go with a triumph. Carol knows this. So like at our company, we do uh, strategy sessions. So like we get the, the whole team together and we have like a departmental strategy session. And it's my first time actually leading one of these. Normally I've done it at a higher level while I'm part of it, but not actually running it. And uh, I was pretty nervous about it because the the people that we have some very charismatic people in the company that run these things and their whole, that was their whole job to run strategy sessions for like companies all over. We have, we're part of a huge conglomeration of uh, other software companies and their job was to go from company to company and run a strategy session. And I've seen how awesome they can be. So to have to run one myself was a bit daunting, but uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, to actually do it. So to be able to get your entire team together and just say, all right, 2022 is coming up. We want to say, what is our product roadmap going to be? Everyone can contribute. There's no wrong answers. You know, what, what challenges are we facing in sales and marketing and product? And what sort of conferences do you want to go to? What can sort of continue? But basically trying to just program what are we going to budget for next year? Just so we know what do we want to accomplish? What do we want to get done? How much money is that going to take? And what can we budget? to do that. And it went extremely well. I was nice. just really super happy. We have a small, pretty small team. So it doesn't, some of them took two days. Some took one day. I only took four hours and just had and really good fee at the end of it. Traditionally, we've always done sort of a, a just clear the air kind of comments at the end. What did you like about this? What didn't you like about this? Are there any elephants in the room that we need to talk about as a group? And uh, just left it really positive. Sales, marketing, product, development, customer service, everyone kind of, I think, has a better view of what we're planning to do and how we're planning to grow, how we're planning to like retain customers that might be at risk and how to get new customers particularly and new things we're going to do with the product, which I'm particularly excited about. So it went really good. And just it's just nice to be able to have everyone feel like they have input, not just feel, they do. I mean, they have input on how the company is going and how the company is growing. And I think that is so important to feel like you are part of something that matters and that your, your input and your heart matters. Yeah. And your vision. Yeah. Nice call back there. Yeah. You gotta, to have a team, you really have to feel like what you're doing is important and it makes a difference. And I think that makes such a big difference with retention of valuable employees. I mean, you got right now the market, job market is crazy. So many people are being poached and getting offered ridiculous amounts of money that sometimes you can or cannot match. But a lot of times it's amazing. We have people that have had offers and reject them because they felt like, you know what, I'm making a difference here. And that's more important to me that's than nice. maybe a 20% bump in salary. Yeah. 
So no, it was just, just really refreshing. So I was, I was glad to be able to do it. And my direct boss, she was on the call as well and just said how great everything worked. It was all remote. So we we're kind of worried about that. Normally we do it in person, but all my direct reports are remote. So we did it kind of over teams and had a little board, like a little teams to do list board. Hey, so we're doing top of the to hey. So we created a board. And so we have that as a living document that we can now use to build our strategy for next year. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, very cool. So the thing I like with that too is you get to see how motivated your peers are, the people who are at the same level you are doing this. So it kind of it re it re energizes you whenever mm-hmm. you see them super motivated as well. Man, that was a hard word. It was a hard, yeah. And so I had pre like like pre meeting work for everyone, and they all brought good stuff to the meeting, and then I had post homework. Yeah, that uh, they're delivering to me tomorrow. So yeah, it's just cool. good to see. Everyone on the same page. Wait a minute. Aren't you the one that was like, don't give me homework for meetings? <laughs> I, I don't have homework. I'm fine. You're, you're just fine assigning homework to everybody else. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally fine. Nice. Well, I mean, there's some that in four hours, you can't get it all done. So it's Agreed. like someone says, we need to do such and such and such. And so I'm like, okay, in order to figure that out, we got to know this and this. So can you find that out for us? And just, it's not another meeting. It's not a, another meeting that we'll do. They'll just deliver that to me. And then now... I take all this information and all the other departments have done these same, we call them strat sessions. We'll, all of the executives will go away to, we're going to rent a house down in Florida and we'll spend like five days uh, as a team just going over all of them and kind of coming up with a consolidated company plan. Very cool. cool. It, when you get a bunch of people together and you keep an open mind, it's, it's always a great reminder. I think that no one at a company has the monopoly on coming up with good ideas mm-hmm that really everybody comes at problems with a different perspective and, and can bring a different shed, a shed a different light on a problem space. So that's that's really helpful. Yeah. And one of the biggest takeaways I took from that is that I, because we're a small team, we all tend to talk pretty often, but you know, someone brought up, it was really nice just to all get together and just have a chat. I'm like, all right, maybe we'll, I took that as constructive criticism. I'm just have a monthly call where we all just get together and we don't have anything to say. It'll be a short call. We'll just say hello and goodbye. And, but if you know, we got stuff to update each other on, then we'll do that. So I, I definitely learned some things from the so entire experience. Pre-pandemic, would you like occasionally get the team together to go out for happy hour or something after yeah. work? Yeah. I've seen people that do a virtual happy hour with their team. Everybody bring a beverage of your choice and we'll just hang out for an hour after work on Zoom or whatever. Yeah, for that's sure. Cool. So that's me, Carol. What you got? So I'm going with the Triumph this week. You guys heard about it over the weekend. A few episodes back when we had our last potluck, I mentioned Copilot and how I was very interested in how this AI pair programming application would work, like what GitHub was doing with it. Well, Friday night, I got my invite to join the preview of it, and it is freaking awesome. It is like the coolest thing I have worked with in a long time. So to just see it putting code on the screen as I'm writing things, it's pretty intelligent. I think they've Hmm. got something solid going on here. So and it, it runs as a plugin in, in VS, VS Code, Code or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they also have an IntelliJ plugin as well. So you can use it with either one with IntelliJ or VS Code. But yeah, you just installed the extension. Um, it, I have to update it every morning because they're constantly making tweaks to it. 
but it just runs in the background. So like a little tiny thing I did was I just created a little modal that was like a confirmation modal, like, hey, pop this up. We really want the user to make sure that they're absolutely certain that this is what they want, right? And it forces them to close it. So I just put a little div and named it like confirmation modal. And then there's another div inside and it's like, confirmation content modal. So when I went over to the JS for it, I just wrote a little comment that said something like close in this, or I was like close whenever not in use or something. And it just created all the little JS for me to hide the styles on those inputs. And I was like, hey. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Did a little clippy <laughs> pop up and say, hi, I see you're creating a confirmation modal. Would you like me to complete this for you? It would be the best thing if they integrated clippy with this. I would <laughs> be would so not. happy. It would be Come so happy circle. just to see it pop up. I forget clippy. But yeah, it is the coolest thing ever. I shared some content with our Patreons and our Patreon channel. And it's just, it's really neat. I'm excited to see what I can do with it when I'm back into writing big code. Right now, I'm only writing little small things that I find in the backlog because I'm mentoring this week. So that means I don't have a lot of time to code. So I'm excited next week when I get to actually start writing code again and see what it can do for me. Do you think you have to run this by anybody at work? Like, does someone have to sign off on the use of something like Copilot? Yeah, 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 they do. I just told someone I had it and they said, that sounds really awesome. And I'm taking that as my, you can do it. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not using it on anything big or secure. I'm using it like just on front end stuff, like small stuff. I'm not running it on our big projects. So, yeah. So speaking of Clippy, I want to know, do you guys have a history of Clippy and did you use any of the alternative characters? Oh, the wizard? Yeah. My favorite was the the little Einstein guy. Or the dog. The dog was good, too. Yeah, I did what? it. So it had when I was taking classes in, in school, college, that I did a, a project where I basically created an Eliza chatbot that was tied to the wizard, the version of Clippy. Mm-hmm. And I remember I showed it to one of the girls in my class. And she was like, what is this thing talking to me? Is, talk, is this thing real? I'm like, it's, it's real. It's just a, an Eliza program. What's Eliza? I had to explain it to her. But yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool thing I did. But I don't even remember, you know, hmm. how I did it. Or program. I think it was Visual Basic, actually, at the time. Nice. Yeah, Visual old basic. school. Yeah. So that's it for me. Clippy was not part of mine. Thanks, Adam. You took over my triumphs. <laughs> I appreciate that. Actually, I started it, so it's my fault. You I'm guys sorry. hijacking yeah. my triumphs. Yeah. yeah. Copilot oh. sounds interesting. I'll be really curious to see how well that works out for you. We're just jealous we didn't get accepted. I put one in and I haven't got accepted yet. So I I never even applied because I just it doesn't seem like something I would trust for work and I've gotten mostly away from coding when I'm not working and so in the zone and focused and like like I said like we talked about recently I don't really come up for air while I'm working I sign in the morning I work until the day is over and then I'm done and by then I'm like tired so uh, you have trust issues <laughs> well so all that to say as Carol's describing this I'm kind of sitting here thinking like I wonder if I could tell it like I want to write a mock for this node module and how much of it well, do my but, testing for me. Right. But like how much of it, how smart would it be? Like, oh, this module exports these functions and, and it's going to write like mock placeholders, just functions for each of those. That would be awesome. So that is my goal over the next couple of weeks is to actually have a project outside of work to actually run all this on. Because like Ben said, like I really don't want to go to the whole getting approval to actually run it on our application, like our true application code. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take it and just put it on something for myself and see what I can do with it. 
So I'll let you know because according to what I've read, it can do a, a hell of a lot. So hmm. we'll see. Quack. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, that's me, Adam. What you got up? Oh, I'm going to go with a fail this week. Oh. Earlier today, I was doing some testing. And I was writing tests for one of our existing Lambda functions. And that Lambda function, basically, it receives an SNS message to trigger it. And based on some information in that SNS message, it goes and it hits the database to get some more information. And then it writes out a whole bunch of files to S3. And because the amount of files that it needs to write to S3 is so numerous so often, what it does is it'll do that in a batch and then it recurses by it, it after finishing successfully the last thing it does is send another sns message with basically the same event so it'll call itself and just loop over until they the batch that it loads to to write to s3 is zero then it just ends without doing an sns message well so i was writing tests for this thing and i mistakenly uh had my mock for sns in the wrong place and so every time i ran my tests i was sending a production sns message <laughs> and, and this job to run in production and oh. because i was sending test data in i yep. was the job was failing every single time i ran it all like 20 30 40 <laughs> times i ran it and because it failed and this is a pr- like a critical path production thing it was sending ops genie alarms to our on-call person like <laughs> every minute for <laughs> almost an hour <laughs> I felt so bad when I found out. He's like, so does anybody know anything about these errors that are coming in? And I look at it and just based on the the data included in the error message, I'm like, oh no, that's me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I I got one better for you, Adam. This was a few months back, but I, so I had wrote something that basically sends an SMS receipt. It's a link to a receipt, right? So Mm -hmm. I have this receipt service that runs and I had my testing suite. I had accidentally transposed my phone number. For oh. another phone number. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So this, I, this woman who's like one digit off from me got like every day brought me about 50, 60 receipts mm. for about two weeks. And so when I found this, I call, I actually looked at the number. I, I called the number and I called her and I said, hi, you don't know me, but I, I'm the one who's been sending you these text, text messages, receipts yeah. over and over again. And I, sincerely apologize she's like yeah i was wondering that the first i got the first ones and i just blocked it so i didn't get any of them like i'm just really sorry i I explained she's like what are you doing and i explained you know what i do she's like okay well i appreciate the apology but you know didn't really bother me once i got a couple of them i just blocked it and it didn't bother me anymore i'm like all right thanks for being understanding (laughs) so it's that southern hospitality right yeah yep yep yeah she was a 478 number so she's a local girl so (laughs) cool yeah, so that's my fail this week. But uh, I guess that brings us to you, Ben. What do you got going on? I'm going to close out with a triumph. I, I don't know if I had mentioned this on last week's call, but I was just about to or had just deployed a feature that I had been working on for several weeks. And while I was building the feature, it occurred to me that it was actually going to take a lot more effort to build than I had originally anticipated. So I was disheartened, but not discouraged. And I just sort of kept muscling forward and when I finally deployed it, I, I, every time I deploy something of note, I kind of go into this post-deployment depression. <laughs> and and this week, I sort of just leaned into that. So this week, my plan was not to really do anything super effective, just show up for work, do some small stuff, spend a lot of time deleting code, which is very therapeutic for me. And uh, instead of trying to fight that post-deployment depression, I just embraced it and used it as a 
as an excuse to do some other types of work to let myself get mentally refreshed. And I just felt like a very healthy way to, to appreciate the situation and to uh, work with it instead of against it. Good for you, man. Yeah. Good for you for yeah. taking care of your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And cleaning up code. Totally. Deleting that code is, is like the most exciting yeah. thing ever. Yeah. I had one delete that I think was like three or 4,000 lines of code. Ooh, was that the one you sent a screenshot of? The, the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Diff numbers. That was impressive. Code deletes are very intense for me. They're very like, okay, I think everything's good to go. I am 99% sure this is never used anymore. But I always have that immediate like, okay, like, is there somewhere that called it that I didn't catch? Or is there some other external piece that has access to this that I don't know about until a week down the road when there's a failure, when that external process that runs every Thursday at 3 p.m. like executes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, just breathe. It's fine. You can restore it. It's in Git. You're good. Don't worry. It's still out there. We can get it back. It's okay. Say I bye. feel like companies that have a truly comprehensive test suite are so far in the minority. And yeah. that's just, that's based entirely on my personal experience. I agree. I, honestly, I think that the most tests I've ever seen at any company is the tests that I write, which is astonishingly little, which, <laughs> it, which says a lot about how few tests <laughs> I've come across in my career. <laughs> I think we've discussed this before. Even if I had a lot of testing experience, which to be very clear, I have almost none. <laughs> I, I still feel like I'd be very nervous all the time. Yeah. And I'd feel like there's stuff that the tests were probably missing and I'd have to test everything manually anyway. Yeah. And side note, I know I've talked about regular expressions before and how much I love them. I use them all day, every day. They're beautiful. In my code searches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, to Carol's point, you, you're deleting something and you want to see if it's used somewhere else in the code base. Yep. A lot of times that's figuring out how to search for tokens inside of word boundaries or doing some sort of optional parentheses for invocation after it. Or in the cold fusion world, there's a lot of stuff where it's not just the name of the thing, it's a get thing because it mm -hmm. was a synthesized accessor that was a, added to the component. So you have to start searching for things with optional prefixes and I, I, not a day goes by where regular expressions don't make my life better. And I just want to give them a shout out. <laughs> not a day I, goes by where I don't understand a regular expression. Yeah, I was going to say, I get stuck in the, how do I make this thing work again? And I'm on the internet, like I'm searching. I'm like, Google, please help me because I cannot make it work. And then I'm like, oh. There are literally times I've actually messaged Ben to help me with a regular expression. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I need this or this. Period something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, they're so good. Yeah, they're good when they work right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that, Ben. Yeah, but I mean, I mean talking about we read clean code. Mm -hmm. It is not explicitly obvious using regular expressions, right? Oh, no. You need to comment what that thing's yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so not explicit. I've taken up the habit of if I'm going to leave a reg regular expression behind in the code, I will leave a comment very close to it, as close to it as I can get it, uh -huh. where I take that same regex and I break each chunk of it up onto yes. a separate right. line yeah, and yeah. leave a comment about, okay, this chunk does this. And then like, I'll have, if it's parentheses and like multiple uh -huh. nested parentheses, I'm like indenting and break it up as much as I possibly can and leave comments about those. Because I truly believe that regex is like a one way 
programming language. It's, you can write it, but you can't read it. Right, exactly. Absolutely. It's, it's like a hash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it works. I'm not sure why. It's like an MD5 hash of what you were thinking at the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other thing I do is I have two lines and I'll do the, the top one is like what the string look like. So say I have oh, an yeah, email yeah. address and I it comes in as an email address. And the second line is what I expect it to return from the search. So if I want just a domain name, like what is after the at sign, mm-hmm. I can be like, this is the part of it I'm taking out. So I would expect it to come in as this and go out as that. So you could test it with that and make sure that it's still working. So Word those, are good, those are good comments. Those are good comments. No, this is a regex is not a good comment. <laughs> <laughs> Does regex search? Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. So today. Yeah. Let's talk about doing things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to doing. So, yeah, like, so, okay, we're doing this sort of in honor of Facebook today announced that their new name is Meta, which is a terrible name, but we're not going to talk about that. But because <laughs> of their new name being Meta, it got me thinking about, so Ben has this habit of leaving himself notes in our Discord of like things he might want to talk about. Yeah, like mm-hmm. in our chat, yeah, right. our Discord chat. And so like, okay, it would be Meta to talk about Ben's to-dos in Discord. <laughs> That's what, that's how my brain works. That's how we got here. And then I was just like, okay, well, let's talk about how we, like, how you manage your to-dos. Do you have like a, a digital to-do list or, or on paper or what? So that's how we got here. And ready? Go. You, Carol. Oh, sweet. Cool. So <laughs> I just got a new Rocket Book. Do you know what Rocket Book is? No, I have no idea. So you can Google it. They're called Well, that Rocket wasn't very Books. kind. <laughs> Let me Google that for you. <laughs> So they come with this nifty little QR code on the page. Okay. And then on the bottom, you can't really see them well, and I shouldn't be showing them anyways. There are these little It's a podcast. It's kind of hard to see. Sorry, you guys. So each page comes with a QR code, so you can scan it on your phone. And um, at the bottom, it has these little symbols. It's like a rocket book sign, diamond, and apples, and other things. And whenever I write down my note, I just put a check mark on that circle, or I put any kind of mark on it. So when I scan it, it knows what action to take on that list. So like if I mark the very first box on the bottom, it's going to send it to Evernote for my my work notebook. So it automatically puts it up there. And at the very top of it, you do the double hashtags, the double pounds, sorry, the double pound signs in front of the name and the double after. And that becomes the file name. So I can be like, oh, for example, we're onboarding someone. So I have an onboarding document. So when I scan it, it sends it over to Evernote, which is how I keep track of a lot of my notes. And it automatically goes into my work notebook. And the file is not only a scan of it, it's also the, is it OCR? What is the... Optical character recognition. Where it basically Mm. reads it to text. So then Mm -hmm. I can copy and paste out and make another list from it. Yeah. And FYI, if you want to know the price, it's like 30 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. And then you just So if only if it were microwavable. (laughs) It'd be sexier. I don't get it. I don't know. Actually, it is microwave safe. Are you serious? Yeah, it's microwave safe. Does it have a metal spine? Uh, It's kind of rubbery. No, this has to be metal. No, No, it's it's microwave safe. (gasps) This is absolutely plastic. I I don't know why you would microwave it, but. Interesting. But yeah, so all you do is after I scan it, I just take a damp cloth and wipe it off. So now I have a new list to go. Oh. Yeah. But there's like 10 pages on here I can use. So it's not like truly 
Okay. There's Not a cal- paper. Yeah, there's a calendar in the front. Wow. There's a list, all that stuff. No, it's reusable. And it's for me, I prefer this over taking notes on like my iPad because I hate that glass feel. Yeah. I don't like, I like to write notes on paper. So I just use is it, pens and yeah. Is it a little less clumsy? Like I, feel, I like dry erase, except for the fact that you have to write so huge on dry erase because no. it feels like it was very clumsy. No, you use regular ink pens. They're okay. just fusion. They're called fusion something. Oh, no. Friction, friction, yeah, they're erasable ink pens. And instead of using the eraser tip, I just use a dry erase cloth. Anyway, so with my list, I just put little boxes next to the items, and they scan in as actual check boxes. Interesting. So I can check them off, copy and paste, and then I erase and start over the next day. And there's my list still there, or I can leave it on there and keep growing it. But yeah, I like it because it's digital, and I can save it. So it lets you create a digital artifact by writing in a notebook and then taking a picture of it with your phone. Yes, because I love to handwrite things. I remember things by writing them down. And because I spend so much time writing code and on my computer, I don't like taking notes on my computer. Mm. I really like writing in a notebook for whatever reason. It's just how my brain takes down information very well. So, yeah, so I create my to-do list in my rocket book now and I scan it in and it goes to Evernote or it goes... I can have it send another checkbox can send it to Slack. Hmm. I can be like, Slack this, please. Hmm. So can you update the same document? Like if you just picking something at random, if you were making like a to-do list and you have a to-do list going in Evernote, yeah. when you do a to-do list tomorrow, will it append to the same to-do list or is it a new document? What it's done so far is it creates a new, but because it creates that text version of it at the bottom, I just copy it out and put it in the next one. I put it in the old one and delete the the one I just scanned. So it takes the image and then I also have it set to read it to text. And then I just copy hmm. and paste into yesterday's. Okay. And that way I have one document going. I, it says there's a way to do it. I just haven't figured it out yet. Is yours the Rocketbook Wave? Mm-mm, I have the Rocketbook uh, Fusion. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't put that microwave then. (laughs) (laughs) Important to know. Yeah. Important to know. The micro, the rocket book wave. I was Googling this while you're talking. You, you actually do to erase it. You put it in the microwave for, yeah, you put it in and it will act for a couple minutes and it will basically wipe all the ink off. That's really cool. Uh, Yeah. See, okay. So for taking my notes and to do's, I use an etch a sketch and then when I'm done, I just (laughs) shake shake it. Yeah, I'm a lot more old school than you on that, uh, Carol. I just have a paper notebook for Adobe gave me. So yeah, but you don't have a copy of it, right? I mean, you don't have it anywhere. No digital, you're done, yeah. you're done. Yeah, and not digitally. No, it's in paper. So oh, yeah. and since it it scans the text for you, so it takes your handwriting to text. I can search things in there, so I can be like, find bank, mm. find. I'd be really surprised if OCR could read my handwriting. I can't read my handwriting. <laughs> so. It doesn't always get mine right, but that's also making me improve my handwriting. Well, that's yeah, it's pointless. <laughs> what, what does it do about illustrations? Yeah. Like if you sketch something, how does that it, transfer over? It just straight up is an image. I haven't had it gotcha. transfer in. It gets the text words out of it, but I haven't tried like big text, like big image mm. or diagrams or flow charts or anything like that. So I'm not trying to yuck your yum or anything. If it's working for you, that's fantastic. But Perfect for me. Uh, to me, like for my workflow, it sounds like the worst of both worlds, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> The digital aspect and the physical aspect. The thing I don't like about physical is I type fast, right? I I spend my entire day typing, so I'm a fast typer. And so that is why I tend to prefer digital tools for everything, including to-do list management. But the thing 
that I hate the most is trying to manage something, a to-do list or whatever on my phone. It just feels so clumsy. Mm. And so because of that, I have taken the habit of using field notes notebooks and I put them, I just keep them in my, keep two of them in my back pocket, one for to-do list and one for taking notes in because I don't like my notes getting intermingled with my to-dos and then I have to constantly flip back and forth. I like just, I'm on on the latest page of my to-do list sort of thing. And I I guess I kind of take after a method I saw Adam Savage use, which is he draws a little box for the the check mark and put Mm -hmm. a little summary next to it of what you're going to do. And then when you start the task or you make significant progress on it, you can like put a line from corner to corner in the box or maybe shade in half the box or something. And then when you finish it, you shade in the entire box. I do the same thing. It works relatively well for me. My problem is lately I find a lot of my to-dos are either something that's going to be done in a a couple of minutes or something that is going to last months. Like I've got probably half a page of to-dos right now that have been on my list and I just haven't made any progress on them because I'm like waiting for other people and the right time to do things. And it's just there as a constant reminder that I haven't done that thing yet, which is a little depressing. Mm. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it's working really well for me. I, I actually, because of this method, for the very first time, completely filled my last field notes notebook. So this one that I'm holding here is my mm. second one. And I tend to like start using notebooks and then stop because I fall out of the habit. Mm. And it just like this method of doing the checkboxes has worked so well for me. I actually filled one. So I have three flavors of to-dos. So one is pretty much exactly what you just said. With I have a, a hardbound notebook, then I I put a list of mm-hmm. to-dos with check boxes and do the same thing with when it's partially done, a line through, and when it's completely done, it's an X. And I go through; I, they're dated, and I can go back and just look for the ones that aren't X. Those are for things that personally I want. You know that I'm the only one involved in that. That's mm-hmm. my to-do personal. It can be some of it is work, and some of it might even be personal issues and then the second one is code to do's and that's just simply putting to do colon and then whatever i need to do so whenever i looking through code like okay i need to refactor i have nested if statements here which are disgusting so i need to refactor this into some functions that's the second thing for code and then thirdly i manage people so there's to do's where they're kind of shared to do's Mm -hmm. or they're to do's that i want to make sure someone else gets done and um used to use Slack, but now we use Teams. So in Teams, I create a, a board. It's a, it's a to-do board. And I assign them to either myself or to the other party or to both of us and to just make in the, with checkboxes in there of, of things that need to get done and sometimes due dates, depending on what it is. So those are my ways to handle to-dos. Yo, Tim, in VS Code, if you were to you know switch over and use that, there's an extension you could install called To-Do Tree. Mm-hmm. And it'll literally show you all the to-dos in your code. And you can even set it to use like what I do is I do to-do semicolon and I put CH so mm-hmm. that it finds my to-dos and puts mm-hmm. those in. So, yeah. yeah. Once, once CF Builder is in VS Code, which <laughs> could be any day now. You're going to get that extension and <laughs> your code to-dos yeah. will be so yeah. much easier to find. Yeah. Now I just do a search. Yeah. yeah. To-do tree. I love to-do yeah. tree. It, it just makes finding those actual to-dos easy to see and, you know, put them in your face. So go do them. Yeah. There's also another one called uh, Better Comments. That oh, will, so nice. if you have a comment and it has like a question mark in it, it makes it blue. Like if it, oh, the, the first like character of the comment yeah. is a question mark, or if it's, if it says to do colon, it makes it like bright orange. Or if it's starts mm-hmm. with an exclamation point, it makes it bright red. Um, 
So that, I like that one just for making the, those to do's stand out when you're looking at the code. And then, yeah, I like the to do tree as well. What, what about like personal life to do's? Do you keep them separate from your work to do's? I do. I have, I use Trello for my personal to do's and then Jira for all my professional to do's. How do you do to do's in Jira? So my strategy, I like to use a, a technique, if you can call it that. That my old manager, Rich Armstrong, used to talk about, which he, he would say that you let the chaos reign and then you reign in the chaos. <laughs> and that's kind of how I approach my to-do list. A- anything that enters my head that I want to do, I immediately put it into a to-do item on the Jira board, which I had almost posted as a joke on uh, Twitter the other day that I have 51 items in my to-do list on my Kanban board. And I posted it somewhat sarcastically because obviously that's not how you do Agile. But it is actually a strategy that works really well for me because to me, the to-do list, it almost doesn't matter how long it is. Things just bubble to the top or they bubble to the bottom sometimes, depending on how I look at it. And then I just skim over the other stuff and it doesn't really get in the way. And then if I notice that I'm skimming over something so many times in a row, like for weeks on end, then I'll take it out of the to-do list and I'll put it into the backlog and probably never look at it again. But the beautiful thing about having this kind of chaotic to-do list in front of me all the time is that I'm able to, what I think is maximize downtime. So if I'm waiting on someone else to do something or I'm like, if I'm waiting on a PR review or Mm -hmm. I just feeling mentally fried and I have to just like step away from my main task for a few minutes, I have this massive list of things and I can just quickly look over it and you never know what pops out at me. I'm like, Oh yeah, that I've always wanted to do that. Let me go and delete that code that I took note of six months ago and has been on my to-do list since then. So, Is this a to-do list that any developer on your team could pick up and work on, or are they just something only you have visibility to? No. When, whenever I create a ticket in Jira, I immediately assign it to myself. Oh, I lay yeah. claim. Okay. But other people could see it, right? Oh, they could see yeah, it. Yeah, they, they could just see it. will know not to pick it up. Yeah, that's where my confusion was. I was like, because if we, if I created like 51 to do's, they're all going to be sitting there to do, and there's 14 other people on my team. They're going to pick it up and start working it. That relay programming. <laughs> <laughs> that could be very confusing. So I was like, well, this sounds like a cluster quickly. <laughs> But that makes more sense now. So if you're signing it to you, then it's safely sitting there secure. Okay. Yeah. And at least with the way that we use Jira, I think everybody looks at Jira with their own little face filtered. So they're only looking at their tickets. Yeah, we definitely don't do that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, that's just how my team works. I don't know how common that is. Or hold on, let me rephrase that. I don't do that. (laughs) Everyone else on my team could totally be doing that. But I just look at the whole entire, like, I don't even know what you call it, just the project. Yeah. You team player, you. Look at me. Carol wants to look at the forest, not the trees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I need to make sure like I'm not the only one not working. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought of a fifth category of to-do for me. So the other one is an Outlook. I will flag a message as, I forget what it is. It's basically a little red flag that you can click and that shows up as flag messages. What, what is this Outlook you speak of? <laughs> Outlook is, I don't know. There's this company called Microsoft. Have you heard of them? They might be big one day. They make um, DOS, right? They do. Yeah, they make they, they make DOS. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah, they make yeah. WSL. <laughs> <laughs> right, they do. Yeah, they do that as well, which is probably the best thing they ever made. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of a, a I think of it sort of as like an unofficial to do list, like this stuff that's like it's a it's an email that I need to respond to and deal with. I just don't have the time or energy or desire to deal with it now. I just click that, and then that's sort of becomes a you know, if I hit a, like when Ben hits a lull. 
like he said, if you something, maybe you need to take your mind off something or just you're waiting on something. I'll go through my, my flagged emails. Go, all right, let me respond to this or you know, do whatever on this. That's sort of a, another unofficial to-do list. Mm, that's cool. One thing that, that I think maybe I do that no one else does is that sort of the stuff that Tim's talking about, for me, everything goes in JIRA. The, our project board isn't really related to any specific project. It's just for the team. So if I get tasked with having to do like a secure, we have to do security training once a year, or you typically once a year, we do some sort of bias training. Yeah. And so if I have to do that, I just put it right in the JIRA board, right along my code tasks. Oh, because for me, yeah. if it doesn't exist in JIRA, I probably won't do it. Interesting. I mean, I'm exactly. I I hate putting tickets in Jira. Me too. I have, I have everyone else. I, I will delegate that to everyone else, but me, me too. I, like, <laughs> I just I get to the description. I'm like, what needs to be done? I know what needs to be done. I just don't. I really don't want to spell it out. You go to Slack. You screenshot the conversation you had with someone, and you put it in the description. Yeah. This is I how hate, you create Jira I tickets. Hate filling, I hate filling out. And like, you too. It, yeah. And there's so many different buckets that, you know, because the company is like so diverse and I'm, my department's a, a, a bit completely different from the rest of the company. And it's like, uh, yeah, none of this applies to me. I don't want to fill any of these forms out and some of them required. So I'm not even going to bother. I get it. Yeah. I am mentoring a new hire that we got this week and the to-do list has been really great because I've been able to go through our Confluence um, documentation and our Mac build out. And I've been able to go through the onboarding docs with him and be like, okay, here's everything we need to do. Here's like your whole list of things. And then I have two full pages and working on a third of things that are just missing from the documentation. So I have to now take everything we found and update it so that those lists of what you do to onboard are more accurate and up to date and include things like, how to open help desk tickets to oh, request. Or, just make Alex do it. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> to request, um, to request like permissions and things. Because when you create the Zen desk ticket to get the permission, there's like 10 buckets to select from. And when you're new, you don't know what bucket any of this stuff goes in. Mm-hmm. So I am putting that in there too. So going very thorough. And yes, our new hire is amazing. <laughs> Rub it in. I know. Uh-huh. Okay. I hired him originally. Uh-huh. I stole him. No. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> not me. I had nothing to do with him getting hired. Let's just be clear. That's fine. That's fine. That's absolutely yeah. fine. So, Carol, I think it was you that asked how if we separate personal from professional. I, I thought I kind of mixed them. I think them. it was Tim. It was, but I, okay. I used Carol's voice. Okay. So that's oh, okay. You yeah. threw your voice. Okay, got that's it. What it I was. Sorry. So I was. I thought I mixed them in my little notebook here, but I just went through and looked at them, and they're all personal. And I think that the reason that is because for professional tasks. I tend to just keep a to-do list of like three or four things. So we have a a Google Doc that we share among our whole team. And we have a morning meeting every morning. It's kind of our stand-up, but it's not really a stand-up. And we just catch up from yesterday real quick. And then this is what I'm going to be focusing on today. And if there's any other, if anybody needs to change somebody else's priorities, that's the place to bring it up. And so that's where my professional to-do list goes. And if something has been hanging out there so long that I just am not getting to it yet, I will create like a GitHub issue for it so that if somebody else can get to it before me, that's fine. They can do that. And so that's where my professional to-dos are. We just like, I try to only look maybe a day or two ahead and anything beyond that is, it just goes in the backlog. And I guess all my notebook is personal. 
Now that I but when you it? say it goes in the backlog, do you mean like your mental backlog, or do you? No, when I say backlog, I'm somewhere. talking. I file a GitHub issue for it, and oh, some okay, most yeah. of the time, that's. I think I feel like a GitHub issue is probably a little bit less uh, formal than a Jira ticket. All I need is a title and a description. Can't you use them both the same way? Like, aren't they pretty much interchangeable? I am not a heavy Jira user. Okay. I'm, like only ever interacted with it in a couple of different open source projects. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I think they're pretty much interchangeable. Yeah, the thing yeah. that I think, the, the sense that I have is that Jira has a whole bunch of like fields that are, that you can set a priority and, right. and a type of thing. Is this a bug yeah. or an enhancement request or comment? Or you can pretty much anything. Yeah. Jira. <laughs> Whereas with a GitHub issue, it's a title and a description and you can that's add perfect. comments. perfect. Right? I like, would probably be more apt to open things if that's all I had to do. Right. Yeah, me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't have to assign it to a project. Yeah. Or, although yeah. you can, like, GitHub does have, like, you can have milestones and you can attach a ticket to a milestone or a milestone to a ticket, however you want to do it, and it has labels. But all that stuff is optional. Yeah. It, it's funny. Uh, this is very tangential, but something you said just reminded me of this. Every now and then I'll get tickets in Jira that have been created by someone on our QA or quality assurance team. And they have a template that they go on and they fill that template out no matter what, even if it's the most obvious issue. And, and it's stuff like, like this button doesn't work and they'll have a description of, of the fact that it's not working. And then they'll have the expected behavior is like the button should work, mm-hmm. but the actual <laughs> behaviors of the button doesn't work. And I'm like, you could have just said fix this button. It didn't have to fix be this, this whole thing every single time. Yo button ain't working. I don't know, man. I've seen so many incomplete tickets yeah. in my time. It's like the ticket is just useless. I guess this doesn't work. Like, all right, I'm going to need a little bit more than oh that. So, yeah. So we have our homegrown ticket system integrated in our product for our user system and it tickets to us. And we got so many terrible tickets that we just the, the default text in the description is now like, I should go look it up and, and read it to you. But it's like what I expected to see, colon, three blank lines. What I actually saw, colon, three blank lines. So like a template that they could fill out. And so many times it's just they put their cursor at the end of what I expected to see or whatever that first line is. And they just type whatever they feel like saying. And then they hit send. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right. So they say this, this. Someone will say this happened. Yeah. Right. They'll explain what happened. I'm like, well, what did you what? want? Right. What did you want to happen? What went wrong? You just told me what happened. I don't understand what you expected to see. And the best part is, is when you open the code and you're like, yep, that was exactly how it's coded to to Mm -hmm. happen. So what's wrong? I agree. That that definitely happened. That happened for sure. My favorite is when they're like, I need you to look at my message or something like that. And I'm like, okay, but what message? (laughs) Give me a link. Give me a name of the thing. Give me the ID out of the URL. Something. So someone today sent me an error message that said, because for PCI reasons, we, and, and just security reasons, you suppress the error, the actual sure, error. Yeah. And all it said was there was an error. And so they <laughs> screenshotted it and sent it to me like, this is beyond useless. <laughs> beyond useless. Can you at least give me a timestamp? Something. Yeah. The time, yeah, yeah, yeah What'd the your clock stamp. say? <laughs> Fortunately, they, they had like the URL. Yeah. So I was able to see that, all right, this page was the one that did it. Yeah. And I could go through the exception log. I'm like, okay, this is the last one from that page. And I can now see the error in the logs. But yeah, there was an error is not particularly no. helpful we, to say there was a problem. It's, it's gotten better in recent months, but 
originally when we added the ability to add attachments, file attachments to our tickets, we got so many Word documents containing <laughs> screenshots. It was so bad. I would be so mad. I would do it, but I would be so mad if I had to look at them. Yeah. So like that, today we had a story come in from our customers that was like, add a preference for a web form. Like just a link. They said, add a preference for the, the customer preference for a link to the web form. And the immediate question was, is this just a like we're just going to add this preference and no context to it? Like it's just going to turn on and off and do nothing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we don't really know what they're wanting it to do, do we? And we're like, no. (laughs) There's a link. So what's the link? What are we going to do with it? No idea. (laughs) I got one yesterday. It was like, change the wording to match the new process. I'm like, Please just give me the exact wording. I don't yeah. wish right. to guess. Right. Yeah. Give me the exact wording. Or we get, uh, uh, so I, I work with a lot of universities and we'll get occasionally like, we've changed our branding. Please update. And I'm like, you can attach files. You can tell me what the colors are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't make, like, don't give me homework in a ticket. Right? Send the branding guideline. Right. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One thing that I run into, and, and I have, so one of my sort of OCD-ish issues is that I feel like I can never deploy anything to production unless there's a JIRA ticket number in the pull request. Mm-hmm. But then every now and then I'll run across stuff that really doesn't relate to anything and almost didn't, doesn't qualify as code. So typically if I'm going to start a new Cold Fusion component, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just copy an older Cold Fusion component, paste it into a new file, and then delete most of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And every now and then what I'll realize is like 10 files later, there was a misspelling somewhere in a place that had no functional value. Right. And I'm like, oh, I really can't leave that misspelling there emotionally. But I also am like, I can't create a Jira ticket just to fix comments in 10 <laughs> different files. That feels weird. And then so, so sometimes what I'll try and do is just sneak it in with another unrelated mm-hmm. PR just so it can go to production, but it doesn't have its own Jira ticket. And it's so silly because I could just have a PR that doesn't actually have a Jira ticket. But I'd be like, I can't. So what you do is you find some typos or maybe if there, if you can't find any that are like publicly visible, you create one. I purposely put a typo <laughs> in that goes down to production. And then you've got a, a Jira ticket. It's like fixed typos. And you just submit like all your code comment typos or variable name typo fixes along with your copy <laughs> typo Ben fix. would be the happiest person to get that whip. He'd be like, the whip's mine. I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> I know kind of veering off topic here, but Ben just kind of triggered my, my memory. A couple of days ago, I spent an ungodly amount of time dealing with. So I thought there was an SSL certificate error, and there was. So we use Let's Encrypt, and they changed their they changed their root certificate. Yeah, we and chatted about this. Yeah, yeah, we chatted about this. And but there were some systems that for some reason started. I mean, even after it had happened, our development environments they they change certificates every third every sixty days, and they they weren't working. So rather than just manually updating the CA certs. I went and got the latest version of Java, downloaded their CA certs and, and put it in. And now it, it worked flawlessly. But there's this one system that just, no matter what I did, when I connected to it, it kept giving me a connection error. I couldn't connect to it. And I just, in my mind, it was like, this was a CA search problem. This was an L, SSL issue. And I kept banging my head against that wall until I eventually realized that I had spelled the website name wrong. That I was trying to connect to. <laughs> it, it was it, the website was called Tyrion was part of the name, but it was Tryin T R Y instead of T Y R, 
And after like four hours of banging my four head, four hours, four hours, no. just questioning, like if I should even be in this job anymore, if I need to quit and just be a greeter at Walmart. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I spelled it wrong. And I spelled it wrong in several places actually. So yeah, change that and everything worked great. So yeah, spelling mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, the human brain. The human brain, yeah, it doesn't see changes like that. It's so amazing. Have you ever seen those pages where apparently if you look at a word, as long as the first letter and the last letter are in the right place, Mm -hmm. it almost doesn't matter. Yeah, to get all the vowels, right? And uh, it's one of those things where I'll be typing and I'll see the little red squiggly line pop up under a word. And I'm staring at the word and I'm like, what's wrong with it? Yeah, yeah like perfect. it looks totally perfect. perfect. And I'll even like in my mind, I'm iterating over uh-huh. the letters trying to figure out where it is. And then finally I'll right click and just fix the spelling. And it's exactly what Tim was just saying. It's just two letters switching yeah. directions. Yeah. Transpose. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much I stared at it, I just couldn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, this is crazy. All right. So, so pulling us back toward our topic here, do any of you guys follow or have you learned about any specific methods for task management, I guess I'll call it. So the one that's coming to mind for me, and it's not that I necessarily follow it. I haven't read the book, but it's called Getting Things Done. Have you heard of this? I know of it. Mm -hmm. So I haven't read the book, but I have watched a presentation by another person who hasn't read the book where he tried to explain (laughs) what was in the book to us. Yeah, yeah. You watched a presentation by someone else who has not read the book. But he felt like he understood. (laughs) He felt like he understood what was in the book. (laughs) Got it. Just making sure. Hey, I'm being honest here. And I mean, my understanding is basically like out of your inbox and into your to-do list. And if it's going to take less than you, you pick a number, but let's just say five minutes, right? If it's going to take less than five minutes, then when you see it, you just do it. It's done. You don't have to put it down in any list, anything. You just do it and then it's gone out of your way. And if it's going to take more than that, then you put it in your list and you prioritize it or give today in future or whatever. I'm just curious. Do you guys have some sort of method that you follow or, or what? I don't have any method other than all of my tickets are very small. I, I, I probably don't ever have a ticket that would take more than a day to work on. Oh, if it wow. takes more than a day, it, I, I break it up into smaller tasks that that can typically be deployed independently with feature flags. Feature flags. Feature flags. We have to whisper that for now on. Every time Ben says feature flags. Feature flags. If you say feature, feature flags, flags three times, Ben appears. And- <laughs> feature flags. Feature flags. <laughs> no, I, I like that approach. I like the big to small. I like to go something big and put it into smaller chunks. I have a hard time deploying small pieces, though. I don't. We don't have feature flags, right? So I... Tend yeah, to yeah. Need thing, I tend to write things that are dependent on each other. So while I could get multiple pull requests out for review to make the review smaller, ultimately, they're all going to need to go together. With That's those are my big things anyways. Yeah. yeah I mean, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell, I mean, the guy with the crazy hair, he talks about how little things can make a big difference. So mm-hmm. it's just constantly working on little things, in- incremental improvements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's what you go for to, to get to the big thing. Yeah. I know we've talked about this on a previous episode, maybe like 15 or 20 episodes ago, but at the end of The Martian, Mm -hmm. he's teaching a class of Mm -hmm. future astronauts. And he he talks about how up in space, like something will go wrong inevitably. And then you just solve one problem and then another problem and another problem. And if you solve enough problems in a row, you get to go home. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about work every day. day. I'm just going to solve this problem and the next problem. Even if sometimes I don't even see what the the end result looks like just yet. I think I've talked about this before. Like I just, I know what the next step is. And if I can just keep doing that and I feel like I'm going in the right direction, then I eventually just get there. As long as I'm making progress toward it. Yep. I yeah. 
So, so I'll, I'll flip this whole thing on its end. So have you ever experienced a time where something bit you in the butt and you realize it was a to-do that you ignored? Hmm. I mean, I uh, say yes. because I, I have. feel like we all have. Uh, just I, it's I, hard to find an example. I still have on my to-do list here to reinstall my computer backup software on my new computer. And I, that, that's been on my to-do list for far too long. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't bite you in the exactly. butt anytime soon. It's just yes. waiting to bite me. Have you, Tim? Oh, yeah. There's some security things. It's like, well, we haven't been breached. We haven't been attacked yet. That you know of. That we know. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. So, so there's like things that, you know, securing some certain thing or doing some certain update that you just put off. And then all of a sudden, now it's an emergency. Yeah. Right. Now it's now it's critical to get it done. You're like, if only I had done that to do earlier when there was time to do it, then waiting when it was an emergency. The quality would have been much better. People mm-hmm. wouldn't have been stressed. Yeah. Yep. For sure. I get that. I've run into times, this doesn't really qualify, but I think we've all probably run into this where you have a couple of minutes to kill before a meeting and you're like, you know what? I'll install that computer update that I've been meaning to install. <laughs> no. <laughs> right before a big meeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thinking that it'll just be done. And then suddenly your computer restarts and it's like estimated time, 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, should have done that when I meant to do it earlier. Which reminds me, our new hire is new to using a Mac. We've always been Windows developers. And then when we switched over, we're Mac now. He closed mm-hmm. his lid last night and didn't know that an update was going to I say lid. He closed his laptop and didn't <laughs> know that an update was going to be running. So he woke up in his bedroom to a very loud beeping because <laughs> <laughs> his Mac was overheated, very hot, and was trying to install updates. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm like, yeah, nice. Mac updates are fun at night. What, he, he shut the lid and like probably put it in a backpack and it, just left it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Yep. In his bedroom. So he woke up scared to his new laptop from work beeping at him. He's going to fry an egg on it. <laughs> Sorry. That was just funny. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. So what else we have to do here? I was just going to say, it sounds like this is the part of the episode where I tell you that uh, this episode of Working Code is brought to you by microwaving your to-do list and, <laughs> <laughs> and listeners like you. If you like what we're doing here, you might want to consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash working code pod. And we do have a new patron to welcome this week. Yeah, we do. What? New, we do. We do. New this week. Welcome Steve Weiler. Hey, Steve. Up, Steve? Hey, Steve. For the unfamiliar, Patreon is a way where you can kick in a few dollars a month to support things that you like, like this podcast. And it helps keep the lights on around here and whatever else you support. And our entry level tier starts at just $4 a month. And everybody that supports us on Patreon gets early access to new episodes and our after show and our undying love. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, you. Of course, we need to thank our top patrons, Monty and Peter. Thank you guys so much for your continued ongoing support. And if patronizing podcasts isn't your thing, no worries. We appreciate that you take the time to listen. If you enjoyed this episode, you should post about it on your social media because your word of mouth referrals help quite a bit. They do. So, and it would also really help us out if you could leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. So please send us your questions and show topics on Twitter or Instagram at Working Code Pod, or you can leave us a message on that phone number thingy we got. It's 512-253-2633 in the Americas, so plus one if you're outside. That's 512-253-CODE, or you can join our Discord, Newly Public, and share your ideas with us there. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary and trying to figure out exactly what we want to do for a fun anniversary episode there. So if you've got some ideas, bring them to the Discord 
or send us a tweet or an Instagram message. One, one year, one guys. Year. It's really been one yeah, year. This is episode uh, 48. Are you, are you guys buying me a gift? Yeah, it's in the mail. <laughs> yeah, you buying me one? Yeah, yeah, it's paper, right? Isn't that what you do on your one-year anniversary? <laughs> I'll send you my old to-do list pages. <laughs> yes, I will microwave them. <laughs> But we're looking for interesting ideas of things we could do for, I guess would we, it would be our like 53rd episode would be our one year anniversary yeah. episode, right? So, so we're coming up on that. And if you got ideas, we'd love to hear them. One thing we're tossing around the idea of is maybe inviting you to give us your triumphs and fails and we can discuss those oh, on the podcast. Yeah. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. We'll talk about your triumphs and fails and we'll either laugh at them or just cry with yeah. you. <laughs> that's the idea. Either one. Or both. That's, both I mean, probably. that's the whole concept of triumphs and, triumphs and fails anyway, right? Like laugh with us. Sure. Or, Give us a shoulder to cry on. Anyway, so yeah, that's all that stuff. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember, guys, your heart matters, even if you have no to-do list. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.